Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Cult of SMMI. I am your host, Scott Mort. I had something very different planned this week. I was out of material, quite honestly. Uh, Mike's conversation with me was uh, done. Now, we do have a lot more of Mike coming up. Don't worry about that. Um, and I had a an interview scheduled with a... Uh, former member of the SMMI, so was out of material. I had something planned. I thought it was important. It is something that will get done. But then I receive a message. I'm, I'm a former member of the SMMI. I want to get some things off my chest. So, I uh, I spoke to... Antoinette, just a delightful woman, just an absolutely delightful woman. And uh, over the next two weeks, you're going to hear Antoinette's story. Once again, I remind you, Antoinette's story is Antoinette's story. I have no way of verifying it. I have no way of proving it untrue. So everything you hear today and on every episode of The Cult of SMMI, falls under the vast umbrella of allegedly. And I do, I do welcome any former or current members of the SMMI to please reach out, contact me. If, if your story is vastly different than what you're hearing here, please, let me know. I want to hear your side of the story. If your story lines up, please let me know. I want to hear your side of the story. I want to hear all sides of the story. Without further ado, Antoinette. Well, I was... Oh, let me see. I was a part um, of the order when I was very, very much younger. I'm 51 now, so I'm old. But <laughs> I was a part of the order when I was uh, the end of, let me see. Uh, I'm going to have to do the math now. Ah, it was the end of 1989. So I was about... Um, the end of my 16th year um, is when I entered the postulancy of this order. And I left um, when I was in the novitiate uh, at the end of 1990. Yes, at the end of, or it might have been 1991 because it was January. So. I guess um, I should start by saying I, w I, ha I wasn't in the order. I was only in the order for a, a little less than two years. So it, it's not like I have some of the huge experiences of some of the other sisters that I've heard tell their story. I never got past the novitiate. <clears throat> I ran away when I was a novitiate. And um, so, I mean, I saw a lot. And I guess my story mostly, I think, highlights what everybody emphasizes when they talk to me is how young they were willing to go to to find people. Okay. 
so because I was 16 when I entered. That so. that is quite young to make a a, a life changing decision like that. It, it is, and it was. I mean, just to give a backstory on me. I mean, we could talk about my youth for hours and never get to the end of it. But um, my parents were pretty narcissistic, and I was raised by my grandparents. You know. And uh, my my grandfather passed away when I was 15, and my grandmother's mental health started um, going downhill after his death. And so I had to make a choice um, because my grandmother was no longer able to be my guardian. Um, so, you know, the danger was going back into my parents' house or you know, or finding an alternative. And I was at the time that Mother Elisabetta and Sister Teresa found me was going through the process of being emancipated. Um, so I, um, I was working with another order, um, because I was there in New Jersey. I was in New Jersey and I was working with another order who worked at a religious uh, shrine. And I was working in their bookstore, you know, as part of my discernment process, because they knew that um, I kind of wanted to be a sister. Um, but they were going really slow with me because I was so young, even if I was going through the emancipation process. So <clears throat> um, one day, Mother Elisabetta and Sister Teresa came in to the bookstore and Mother Elisabetta saw me and kind of asked for my story. And I kind of gave it to her and said that, you know, I was just, I was in the discernment process of joining the order that I was working for, you know. And, um, they came back, ooh, a week or two later. I don't remember because this was some years ago, but it was very quickly that they came back to the bookstore and, um, they stood in the corner whispering and Sister Teresa came up to me and told me that Mother Elisabetta um, had a really strong feeling about me and um, really wanted to talk to me about joining their order. Now, what I didn't know at the time is that Sister Teresa and Mother Elisabetta had also taken um, a sister from this order before. <laughs> Oh, so this was this was a pattern. Yes, but I didn't know at the time. I was 16. These sisters weren't telling me all their secrets yet cuz I hadn't joined the order, you know. And they were you know, we were just looking at each other in their spirituality and now I mean, I'm not going to go into my big sob story about my youth, but having somebody really want me and desire me enough to come back two or three times, you know, just to make sure that I you know, knew that they really wanted me was to my 16 year old mind. Um, what, what I needed to hear for you to get me to do anything hmm? because uh, I had gone through my life just kind of feeling unwanted. You know, I was kind of like a neglected child just to put it, you know, to make a postmark there. So, you know, um, when, when my grandmother could no longer take care of me and it was up to my, parents and I mean I was very desperately trying to get away from my parents and what I learned later what people told me is any order that was worth anything probably would have told me no because I I had you know I, I wasn't joining a religious order 
to because I felt called by God. I was joining a religious order because I needed to get away from my parents. I see. Now, I, I have to ask, uh, mm-hmm. if slash when, uh, and like I said, it's a big if slash when, did, did they kind of take that tension away from you? Because that is classic behavior. Give all the mm-hmm. attention in the world and remove it or threaten to remove it. No, um, I think what they did was they gave me too much attention. I see. Um, because what happened was when I joined the order, um, when I became a postulant, um, I was directly under Sister Teresa. And Mother Elisabetta visited often, but she lived in Italy, you know. And what they did to me a lot um, when they had discipline problems with me, because, I mean, let's face it, I was I was a teenager. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so when there was when there was discipline problems with me, they kind of good copped, bad copped me. OK, because um, I also uh, when I was in middle school and high school, had a friend from Korea um, who taught me how to speak Korean. So I knew how to speak Korean. I knew how to speak a little Japanese. So Mother Elisabetta told me that I was going to be, that God had um, told her that I was going to be the one that would bring the message to Asia. I was going to be the one to be the Asian missionary that went to Asia and started the order there. So, and for a 16-year-old who who had been told her whole life that she wasn't worth much, for somebody to be like, you are worth everything to us because you are going to bring God's work to Asia, you know, and just think, and anytime I would do something, you know, uh, Sister Teresa would be the bad cop, you know, and, and dole out the discipline. Um, and if it got too bad, I was put on the phone. The mother Elisabetta or mother Elisabetta would come to America and just remind me of how important I was to God's work. So, I think that, and and that was, um, I realize now, a little bit of a manipulation, or a lot of bit of a manipulation, because they very much knew about my parents. And um, what I found out later was that Sister Teresa and my mother, who consequently also is named Teresa, um, talked to each other almost daily while I was there. So... What ended up happening was um, I did eventually get the emancipation. However, before the emancipation, my mother um, signed over custody of me um, to the order. I don't know if I was under Sister Teresa or Mother Elizabeth. I don't know. But my my custody was transferred to the order. And um, um, so that's how they got a hold of me, you know. Um, in fact, I was so young that um, the end of the year that I joined, um, I had to go back and finish my confirmation in my church from home. <laughs> like, they sent me back with another sister to finish my confirmation because I wasn't even confirmed in the church yet. I see. What so, uh, And legally, what did that do to the original emancipation it pushed it forward because i had already i had already graduated high school i graduated high school early um it, you know so i had a diploma um and i had even done some college classes because i went to some college classes while i was working with the other order um so you know um 
I, I was, my job when I was in the order, even as a postulant, was I taught uh, classes in a school. So I was a teacher, <laughs> you know what I mean? At the age of 16, I was teaching third and fourth graders. Whenever you joined the order, describe your first day going into the order. Um, when I went in, um, everybody was there and it was just like they had been waiting for me, you know what I mean? And just lots of hugs, lots of kisses, lots of physical affection, um, and just making me feel like I was wanted, you know? Um, and that's what I needed at that moment in my life. I needed somebody to want me. You know, and they knew that because I had told them my story. So, so, so that's kind of, you know, they conjoled me into that. Um, you know, and, um, you know, it, it just, I mean, it snowballed from there. There's a, there's a lot of things that just turned crazy. I mean, I was, I was a 16 year, and of course I wasn't a habit, you know, because the postulants also had a habit. It wasn't a, a full habit, but, you know, we were covered. So, you know, we were modest. You know, we were covered from our head. We had veils, you know, so our head was covered. We were covered from the neck down to the the feet and we wore double. We wore a skirt and a shirt underneath the um, habit. So there was no I mean, I'm prefacing this because I'm going to tell you kind of where I noticed things were wrong. You know, mm-hmm. um, the um, there was no way for us to be considered immodest in any way, shape or form, you know. Um, but what happened was one of my students um, said something about having a crush on me. And so Sister Teresa, that's when Sister Teresa, I feel like, turned on me. Um, she started calling me a slut. And um, I wasn't allowed as many privileges as I was before. You know, so I went from, well, I guess maybe like what you said, like now that I'm thinking about it, I went from being the golden child, you know, the child that was going to save Asia to this slut that was um, tempting these fourth graders, oh, you know. Yeah. 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 And so I was just like, what in the world? You know, um, and as far as eating goes, we we relied on um, in the convent itself. We relied on food. Um, we never went, I don't remember ever going grocery shopping or Sister Teresa ever going grocery shopping. We never had fresh groceries. What we relied on was the parish, um, members bringing, uh, the parishioners bringing us donations. Um, so if there were no donations, there was no food. Now we were lucky than other places in the order because we were attached to a school so at least we got one meal because the school gave us free lunch right so during the week we would get a free meal anyway but you know after i became the slut i was no longer allowed in the cafeteria so eating was not really a possibility anymore you know so um it was whatever there was another sister in the house that used to sneak me food um and um that's what I subsisted on. So, and I think a lot of the punishments that sister Teresa gave me, um, the only reason I was able to endure them was because I was an athlete. I was a, um, a level nine gymnast before I entered the convent. So, um, I think a lot of the physical 
punishments, you know, like kneeling for 24 hours or whatever that um, I was given were only being able to be endured because I was strong when I went in physically. You know, there was, you know, punishments. Anytime a student would talk to me, like, you know, I mean, I was still teaching classes, so I don't know how students weren't supposed to talk to me. You know, but even if a student, well, it, the females were fine, but if a male student would even ask me a question about their homework or whatever, you know, in, in the hallway, I was tempting them and I was in for punishment. So it's, so, they're creating no win situations yes. for you in order yeah. to punish you. Right. Right. Um, and at one point, um, I wasn't finished with my postulancy. Um, for, for the time period that I was in the convent, I should not have even been a novitiate. But they kind of rushed me through the postulancy because what I was told was um, the longer veil of the postulants or uh, the longer veil of the novitiates would make me act more like a nun and less like a slut. So, yeah. So, wow. so I, I was entered into the novitiate early. And that's kind of when I started planning my escape, I guess we could say. <laughs> and, um, I know Mike was very um, impressed with my escape story because, you know, basically when I left, what I did was um, uh, the sister, there was, there was only three, I was the only postulant um, in New Jersey. There was another postulant up in Massachusetts, but I was the only postulant in New Jersey. And there was one other sister that had taken vows. You know, she was a full sister um, there in um, the house with us. So it was Sister Teresa, that sister and me. So that sister was in charge of me. And I was, um, I had told Sister Teresa after they gave me the novitiate that I wanted to leave. I didn't think I had a calling. I wanted to go home, you know. And, you know, I knew that I was going to have to plan an escape again from my parents, but I wanted to go home. And what happened was she locked me in my room. So um, I wasn't, I was no longer allowed to teach. I was no longer allowed to do anything but be in my room. Like she locked me in my room and we were on the second story. Like our bedrooms were on the second story. Now, how, how old are you at this point? How, uh, how long did you? 17. 17. So you've been there yeah. about a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, so I told her I wanted to go home. And, you know, she was like, well, no, you know, um, you still, you know, you still have, you know, a calling that you need to um, fulfill. And so, you know, and so she just locked me in my room. And I don't know what the plan was. I don't know what the plan was for me. Um, but the sister that was in charge of me. Um, she brought me downstairs, you know, because I was allowed out of my room only under supervision. So she brought me downstairs and I was getting a um, a drink of water and the sister had to go to the bathroom, you know, in an emergency. And what I did was I snuck a coat because, you know, it's it's January. It's the middle mm -hmm. of winter in, in you know, um, she I, I snuck a coat under my habit Um because uh, I had, I knew that I was going to leave, but I wanted to know. Um, I wanted to know. Um, I I didn't want to freeze, you know, and I didn't know if I would be able to get any place or if I would have to walk. You know what I mean? Sure, um, sure. Um, yeah. So, um, 
what I, what I, um, what I ended up doing was sneaking the coat up of, up my habit, you know, like tying it around my waist under my habit and, um, putting it in my closet, you know, at the very back of my closet when I was in my room. And then one night, um, I, you know, took my habit off. I left the skirt and shirt underneath on and then put the coat on and I climbed down the tree outside of my, outside of my window. And then I walked and in my 17 year old mind, I had had before I went to the convent, I had had a pen pal in Staten Island. And so, uh, and we were in Sayreville, New Jersey. And, and I walked from the convent to the Verrazano bridge. And I was like, well, I'm going to walk to Staten Island. I'm going to walk over this bridge. Uh, well, for, for those unfamiliar, how many miles are we talking roundabout? Ooh, I, it was, it was, it was four or five miles. Okay. You know, in, in, Janu- the middle of the in, in New yeah, Jersey, in- January, in January, yeah. which is <laughs> a very different beast than a Georgia January. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I live in Texas now and I, I yeah. <laughs> I, I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm very <laughs> jealous of you right now. <laughs> but yeah, so so I tried to walk across this bridge and I don't know if anybody knows the Verrazano Bridge, but you know, you don't walk across this bridge, you know? You know, <laughs> so I got stopped by the police um, and the police ended up um I wouldn't tell them where I was coming from. Um. Thank you for joining us again this week on the Cult of SMMI. If you would like to reach out to me, strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. Once again, thank you so much for joining us here. Take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs>